It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, what's up? We're kicking off another week of programming here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It's Monday, June 13th, 2022. We're a couple of months away from preseason action on the way, and I can't wait for it to kick off. Of course, today and tomorrow are the final two days of OTAs at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. Afterwards, the Raiders, they're going to take a little bit over a month off from being there at the practice facility and getting ready for training camp to kick off. Raider Nation, sound off. Of course, you know the number, 702-365-9200. I'm your guest host for the day, Harry Ruiz, filling up for JT The Brick. JT will be back on Wednesday and on Friday. I'm here holding down the fort today, tomorrow, Tuesday, and also on Thursday. Great guests lined up. For today, Levi Edwards, digital team reporter extraordinaire at Raiders.com. He'll be joining the show at 12.20 p.m. And Jesus Lopez, host on Deportes Vegas, 14.60 a.m. at the top of hour number two with him. We're going to talk about the soccer matches that have been confirmed for Allegiant Stadium next month and just tell you the magnitude of how important they are with the teams that are going to be coming to Las Vegas to play here Because Allegiant Stadium is a reality. Without the Raiders being a team that calls Las Vegas their home, there wouldn't be an Allegiant Stadium. Without Allegiant Stadium, you wouldn't be getting these three soccer games that are going to be happening here in Sin City next month. So there are guests that we got lined up for today. And just to take care of business, new Raiders quarterback has been announced or well has been confirmed by the media, including our very own Vinny Bonsignor today, breaking the news on the show at 7 a.m. They he, they called it Chris Jones, new Raiders cornerback, undrafted free agent in 2018 by the Detroit Lions. He has played for the Arizona Cardinals, the Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Tennessee Titans. 29 games played, six of them as a starter, and the reports have come out that he has been signed by the Raiders. We'll, we're still waiting for an official announcement by the team to happen in that respect. And also, something I found out about during the weekend watching Raiders content online, Tom Pilicero, he reported that the Renfro deal that was officially announced on Friday morning, that had gone down and Renfro agreed with the team for that contract extension on Wednesday night, but that he didn't want it to make it official until Friday to not distract any attention from Raiders' mandatory minicamp, which ended on Thursday. Devontae Adams, he was the last big dog to talk about what has happened so far in this Raiders uh, offseason with the Raiders mandatory minicamp on Thursday. He spoke greatly about Hunter Renfro, and the next day we find out Renfro, he's staying on board at least 
through the 2024 campaign. So that's great. And Raider Nation, my question for you today has to do with Renfro, with Adams, two guys we've spoken about, with Waller, and this offensive arsenal that Derek Carr has at his right and his left everywhere on the field. This, in my opinion, is the best offensive arsenal that Carr has had since being drafted in 2014. Adams, Renfro, Waller as pass-catching threats. Running backs, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden with Samir White waiting for his opportunity. And, of course, you know the tight end room. They're taking care of business, too. Darren Waller and Foster Moreau leading the charge with them. That's a great offensive arsenal for Derek Carr. The question mark around the Raiders right now on the offense is put on the offensive line. And today... Pro Football Focus, they put out their offensive line rankings, and they have different tiers. Tier 1, minor or no weaknesses. Eagles, Browns, Lions, Buccaneers. Tier number 2, high floor. Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys, Patriots, Bengals, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, Chargers, and then Tier 3, High-end potential. Jets, Niners, Commanders, Broncos, Ravens. Tier 4, where I expected the Raiders to be because it's titled at least one good tackle. Giants, Vikings, Bills, Saints, Texans, Dolphins, Panthers. And right there, I'm like waiting. I'm like, wait, where where are the Raiders at? Tier 5, uninspiring. Cardinals, Jaguars, Titans, Falcons. And right there, I'm like insulted already. I'm like, all right, you still don't have the Raiders in the, right there? Come on. And they're tier six? Problematic. They have the Las Vegas Raiders ranked number 29th in the projected starting lineup. You're telling me that you don't consider Colton Miller as at least a good tackle? And you're not even saying great tackle or elite tackle, which I consider Colton is very in, very close to being up there. You're not putting the Raiders up there? All right, guys. If anybody's listening at Raiders HQ, show them this. Put that chip on their shoulders. They're going to go out there, and they're going to try to run over whoever's in front of them. Colton Miller, last year, he had a great season. Played every offensive snap for the Las Vegas Raiders. In 730 pass block snaps, he only allowed four sacks. Pro football focus rankings. The same guys that put out this ranking today, 88.4 in pass protection, 76.8 in run blocking. You're telling me that Colton Miller, you can't even consider him for this list to be up there in tier four with at least one good tackle? Come on. But, well, I'll take advantage of this list and make my question to you, Raider Nation. Through Derek Carr's eight years of being in the NFL, he has mostly had from very good to good offensive lines. The thing with him has been, what have you surrounded him around with? Like his rookie season. Donald Penn, Gabe Jackson, Stefan Wisniewski, Austin Howard, Menelik Watson. It wasn't elite, but it was good. Then you look at his weapons. 
I love Run DMC and I love Marcel Reese, but like you look at the wide receivers, James Jones, he was in his final wheels. Andre Holmes, Raiders got production out of him, but he wasn't top tier elite. Michael Rivera, he was there. No disrespect, but the weapons, you could have done better with more production around him. 2015, same thing. That year, you added Rodney Hudson, Donald Penn, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, Jamarcus Webb, Austin Howard. Good offensive line, but you wanted more weapons around him. That's why you added a rookie wide receiver in Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. They were good but they're not at the level that the Raiders are right now. You look at what the Raiders have, and they traded for Devontae Adams, who has been a first-team All-Pro the last two years, a pro bowler in each of the last five seasons. He led the NFL in reception touchdowns in 2020. Then you look over at Darren Waller, who's a beast, who unfortunately last year he missed some action due to injuries, but he was a pro bowler in 2020. Hunter Renfro led the teams, led the Raiders in yards per reception and also in receiving touchdowns. And he got that nod to the Pro Bowl in 2021. And then you look besides them and there is talent there before talking about the rest of the guys on the team. I want to ask you, Raider Nation, what do you prefer? Wide receiver, tight end, and running back, that position to have more talent or be looked at as being better than your offensive line or having a good offensive line with pieces like wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends that are okay but not good or great. Let me know, Raider Nation. Of course, you want your quarterback to be protected, but if the guys that you're throwing the ball aren't the most talented in the world – then it's hard to get production out of that. So let me know, Radio Nation, 702-365-9200. You look at that wide receiver room at the Raiders. Keelan Cole, that guy, when they hired him this this offseason, I looked at his numbers and I was like, wow, he really went under the radar for a guy over there in the AFC East. He averaged 538.2 yards per season in his last five years, in his five years in the league. And he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars for four of them. And the last one with the New York Jets. So when he gets the ball, when he gets on the field, he's productive. He can do damage. He's a guy that can definitely fly under the radar right now. And once the season starts, everybody's going to be paying attention at the big three. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Those guys, they are proven threats in the NFL, and everybody knows who they are. They know who 17, 83, and 13 are, are on, the, on the field for the Raiders. They don't have to look up on the, on the roster. Keelan Cole, he can fly under the radar and do damage. You look at Demarcus Robinson. Despite the Chiefs having all the pieces they had on that championship offense, Demarcus Robinson, the last five years, 335.8 yards. The last four seasons, he has had a total of 14 touchdowns. He can be productive. You look at Mac Hollins. I was surprised, well, Thursday when we were allowed to be a little bit closer on the field because the Raiders practiced indoors in that mand mandatory minicamp session. Hollins looks big, man. I mean, you look at the size of that dude, and you think red zone, end zone. That's a guy that you want to throw the ball up there. He can jump. 
he can go get it and beat whoever's covering him. I like that from him. Mac Hollins, 6'4". He's the tallest Raiders wide receiver on the team right now. Jordan Vesey, he's a close second at 6'3". But everybody else, it's either 6'1 or under. And there's no problem with that. You look at Hunter Renfro, he's 5'10", 185. He's one of the best in the league. So your your size, it doesn't matter for you to be good or not or not. But it's always great to have a threat in the end zone like Mac Hollins. And, of course, you look over at the tight end room. Those dudes have to be big. And Darren Waller, he's the same size as Michael Jordan, 6'6". So, but you know Darren Waller, he commands a lot of respect and a lot of coverage and team scheme to try to stop him. Keyword, try. They don't always do it because Waller is talented. Now we need him to stay healthy, to stay on the field, and do some damage. Of course, that's talking about the wide receiver room. And and Tyron Johnson, he's another guy that was on the team last year, that he's there, that he can, if making the team, he was good with special teams. Hopefully he gets a shot as well with wide receiver, but not for the reason that happened last year. That were the injuries. We don't want no injuries this year, but it's a contact sport. We know they're going to happen. Tight ends. You look at Darren Waller. We spoke about him. Foster Moreau. He is a guy that, heck, you look at his rookie season. You just threw it at him at the end zone, he would get it. That's good. And now having Josh McDaniels, an offensive mastermind in the building, leading the offensive charge, the Raiders got to capitalize on having him in that room. Nick Bowers is another guy that he has experience with the Raiders. Let's see what he does this year. And there are more bodies in there. Let's see who's able to get that fourth spot in the tight end room with the Raiders. And running backs, of course, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, three guys that we know we're going to see on the field. Zamir White. Look, something about Zamir White, he's young, but he will see action. Why do I think he'll see action? The Raiders traded up for him. If you trade up for someone, it's because you really want him. And I don't think the Raiders would just shut the door on him because he's a rookie and there's talent in front of him. So keep that in mind. And Jacob Johnson, the German fullback for the Raiders, they're going to use him. He's there. And we got our first call of the day, and it's going to enemy territory. We're going to Denver with Tommy. Tommy, you repping the Raider Nation out there? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Living the life, living the dream. Right on, right on. Me too, buddy. That's all I do. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. What you got for me today? Man, not much. I just, uh, I, you know, I haven't uh, listened to the show in, you know, a few days, but I was just calling, uh, I heard on, um, from some family down in Uvalde, Texas, that uh, Mark Davis made a nice donation to Uvalde, Texas for a million dollars today, and I just think it's amazing what he does for, you know, different places and different people and um, different organs, you know you know, different places around the world and cities and whatever. But um, I just, you know, I, I haven't seen anything on uh, Twitter or anything, but I I do know that he did make a million-dollar donation to uh, Uvalde, Texas, um, to try to um, protect the schools down there. Yeah, with the Uvalde situation this earlier this month, definitely something. You know what? From what I've heard, when the Raiders do stuff like that, they try to keep it on the DL, on the down low. Oh, okay. And that's something that... I actually like because there are other teams, other owners that they want to get credit for doing things. And I can't confirm nor deny that news because I'm not 
I haven't heard about it until now. But if it, if that's the case, that's fantastic. And you got to support causes like that because that's things that we definitely don't want to be happening in our country. And uh, if true, great for MD. He's a great guy. He's out there helping these kind of causes. And uh, I appreciate that call all the way from Denver. So I got to ask you, I got you on the line, man, uh, if you're still there. What do you prefer? Yes, I am. Having great weapons and the offensive line to be average to below average or having a great offensive line and your weapons to be average to below average? Man, I, you know, I, I just believe it. You know, I guess I believe right now in today's NFL, you know, this, you know, scoring's high and offenses are scoring a lot of points. So you got to be able to keep up with them. And I think uh, if you have the playmakers, uh, they can make it happen, you know, and I think with some of the guys we have, how you know, their route running skills and ability to get open, you know, super quick. I think that's going to help our offensive line a bunch. So I don't know. I mean, a lot of people say you win in the trenches, but I think also you can win, you know, this way as well. So I'm excited for the season for sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate that call all the way from Denver. Now we're going with Gangsta Raider. You're always with us, my man. How you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing good. Sitting here chilling by the poolside in L.A. And I need you to settle an um, argument with me. Because, you know, Vinny Bonsignor, he gets on here and try to act like he's an L.A. native. Well, he actually never lived in L.A. County. I think he grew up in Ventura County. But he always tried to claim growing up that L.A. was like 50-50 Rams and Raiders. And I'm trying to tell everybody, I've been in L.A. since 74. And I only know a handful of Rams fans. You know what I'm saying? And all my life, L.A. been Raider Nation. You know what I'm saying? They moved here in 81. I was about like, what? I think I was 7 in 81 when they got here. And L.A. been silver and black ever since then. I lived in L.A., the city of L.A. on the east side over by Fremont High School. You know where that's at, right? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I'm born and raised here. And Vinny wanted to make it seem like L.A. back in the day was split 50-50 Rams and Raiders. I'm telling you, it's always been Raiders. All the Rams fans was in Anaheim. The, the real the Raiders, the Rams didn't really play in L.A. County. They played in Orange County in Anaheim. And so can you settle the score and let the people know and tell, let people know that Vinny been fooling them, that let them think that L.A. was 50-50. Tell them it's always been a Raider town, and the Rams wasn't even really in L.A. They was like in Orange County in the suburbs or the outskirts. Can you let it be known for me? Break yeah, it down. They, they moved out there to Angel Stadium, right, in Anaheim, and they were living mm-hmm. their life over there in the O.C., the Real Housewives mm-hmm. of Orange County. Look, in my opinion, from the time that I was out there in L.A., I was born there. I was there during the 90s, moved back in the early 2010s, and all I see is silver and black. Yes, you will Thanks. see transplants, especially before 2016 when the Rams moved back from other cities uh-huh. that are repping their teams. But uh-huh. L.A., that's a Raider Nation capital, man. Once you win Say a championship in L.A., Say it again. I don't think they heard you. Vinny, especially Vinny. Vinny, see you no, and, don't need to hear you. And here you go, Passionate <laughs> Raider. I respect Vinny like you got no idea, man. He's super talented. He does a great job. But in my opinion, L.A., it's Raider Nation. That's a capital for us, man. It's definitely oh, a place where geek. I love you, man. I love you. Hey, no keep problem. Going. Hey, shout out to Fremont High School over there. Thank you so much for the call, uh, Passionate Raider. We're going to keep getting calls a little bit more ahead and... 
Oh, sorry. Gangster Raider, not passionate. My bad. Gangster Raider. I'm already over here baptizing people, switching up their names. Someone that I won't be switching up his name, he's coming up after the commercial break. It's Levi Edwards, digital reporter extraordinaire with Raiders.com. I really enjoy reading everything that he puts up there with the Raiders website. So we'll be talking about him. About what? Of course, it has to be Raiders football, but I also got to ask him about Super Bowl halftimes. That will be coming up after this break. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, the JT The Brick Show. You guys have heard Green Bay offer this, which is higher than what I was and all of that. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll say it. it. It was true. Okay, it was true. But, like I said, there's much more that goes into it. And, and family is a big part of it for me. So, geographically being here, it makes it a lot easier for me to stay connected to my family year-round. And, you know, this, is, this isn't year two or I'm not trying to necessarily fight for a job or anything like that to where, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to just stay out there. You know, I, I had the, the, the choice and the choice for, was for me to come here and, you know, raise my family on the West Coast and, and come out here and, and have some fun in the sun. He chose Las Vegas because of his family. Devontae Adams, all-pro wide receiver. He's with the Raiders. Someone that's with the Raiders and that he's part of the Raiders family as well is Levi Edwards. You should read each and every one of the articles he puts out on Raiders.com. He does a fantastic job as digital team reporter. He's joining us today here on the calling line. How you doing, Levi? I'm doing swell. How about you, Harry? Doing fantastic. Well, you've been out there for OTAs. You've been out there for mandatory minicamp. Seeing the kind of numbers that you have seen on the field, that gives you a little bit more. That you that has you has you inspired for what the what's coming up with the Raiders in 2022, right? Well, most definitely, it's a very interesting time of the year, just because it's so early on into the swing of things and. People are really trying to get a grasp of how things are going to go. And when I say how things are going to go, they're trying to grasp a hold of the playbook. This is a new system, a new coach, so it doesn't matter whether you're Derek Carr or it doesn't matter if you're UDFA. A lot of people are in the process of learning and trying to grasp this. So uh, it's really interesting just kind of seeing everybody on the same level, just for right now at least. Of course, and from what you have seen so far, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, that connection, it's as good as always, right? Most definitely. Uh, there, A lot of people thought that they could potentially be rusty or that the connection wouldn't be as strong. And I, I tell you this, you know, there's people that I haven't talked to since I was in college, but if I got on the phone with them today, then we would be able to pick it back up like we had never even lost a day of ever talking to each other, so... That's just the way things are when you have that kind of relationship. And Derek Carr and Devontae Adams definitely have that relationship, and it's been proven on the field. And I don't think really any length of time is going to be a problem in between their chemistry. And, of course, something that happened on Friday, Hunter Renfro signed an extension, and the only place where you can find quotes about Hunter Renfro and that extension is precisely with Levi Edwards' article on Raiders.com. What can you tell me about it? I love that quote about uh, him and his family and his daughter, and that's what 
he wants her to look at that you can do whatever you want in life well this is a honestly a common theme of the offseason from what i've noticed is when Derek Carr he signed his extension he brought in his wife and he brought in his four kids and he told me in the same situation i had a one on one with him and he said i brought my kids in here because i want them to see this and know that you can do anything you put your heart to you can put anything that you dream about if you just put in the hard work and the consistency and the effort you can be here doing this and it doesn't matter if it's in football or any area of life you can be doing this and Hunter Renfro did the same thing of course as uh, his baby girl is a little a lot younger and she might not have a, a very great memory of this day but at least she can look at photos and she can say I was there when my dad signed that extension you know years of hard work and determination paid off within the lot when the scheme of things and, and that's all we that we do uh everything that we do is for our family just in general and, and people in the nfl they're not any different and she was out there her little his little daughter decked out in raider rats gear she was she seemed like she was ready to cheer on his dad right there right oh yeah no she was she was excited uh i, I got a good view of her just playing with her daddy, you know, uh, outside in, in headquarters, and they were off uh, trying to catch a flight back to South Carolina. So it was uh, really good just talking to him, and he seemed in good spirits. Uh, his daughter seemed in good spirits, wife, everything. So I know that they're very happy. It's much deserved. We're talking with Levi Edwards, digital team reporter at Raiders.com for the silver and black. And Levi, he talked about his teammates. He wants to be here for them, and he wants to do big things with this organization. So, people, if you want to read Levi's article, Raiders dot com, it, it's a fantastic job. You're the only person that interviewed him, right? Well, me and Eddie, me and Eddie were the only guys that got him in uh, the studio. So I got to plug him too. Uh, you know, upon further review, check out Eddie's interview with him when it does uh, pop up. But of course, my article is on Raiders dot com as well. It just go to the homepage and find it. So I did a little little slight exclusive with Hunter Renfro. Definitely got to check that out. Of course, yeah. Devontae, uh, he spilled the beans about Hunter going back home to South Carolina during the press conference on Thursday. So I was like, all right, he's going back home. And then Friday, the, the extension gets announced. I was like, whoa, all right, he signed. He talked with Eddie. He talked with Levi. He took back home. Another of your articles that I liked a lot was about the potential in the cornerback room for the Raiders. There are some folks in Raider Nation that are like, All right, hey, are we going to get this room, uh, somebody else in the room? But you talked about the potential that this room has. There's a couple of exclusions with veterans, but there's potential there. Well, this is something that, I personally loved is a quote that Nate Hobbs said, and I believe Nate Hobbs said this during OTAs. He said, we don't have any superstars in the secondary, but we just got some guys that can ball. And honestly, that's really all that you need is you need guys that can ball. You don't need, you know, you have your exceptions. You have your, you have your Jalen Ramsey. You have your, your JC Jackson. You have Trayvon Diggs. You have your, you know, elite, guys but when you look at the grand scheme of things and you look at nfl secondaries that have been playoff contenders or super bowl champions there hasn't been an all pro guy there hasn't been a pro bowl guy it's been a bunch of guys who collectively play well together that know the scheme that know what they're doing that buys in that can ball and so you look at the secondary and you don't have the all pros you don't have any you don't have any pro bowlers you don't have any guys that are like you know 
screaming with stats, but you have productive players. You have a, uh, Trayvon Merritt. You have a Nate Hobbs. You have Duran uh, Harmon that you're bringing in from free agency who knows the, knows the playbook already. And you have Patrick Graham, who is the black Picasso, as they call him, because he's intelligent, Ivy League guy. He knows how to adjust in games. He knows, and he knows how to play against offenses. So if, if this secondary just buys into what he wants to do, with the secondary, and I had also forgot to mention Rocky Sen, who you get for that trade for Yannick, and he's a guy that's young, and he's only going to get better. So I really wouldn't look at the name recognition of what you have in the secondary, because name recognition can be made over time, and, and that's what these players are trying to do. They're trying to, they're trying to make themselves, and they're trying to make the system. Yeah, I would just say this. A year ago, exactly a year ago, who knew who Nate Hobbs was? It was like, not a lot of folks did. It was like, yeah, the Raiders drafted him. But then he took the field for preseason action. He earned himself a spot. That's what I say. These guys, they're going to work hard, and they're going to want to earn a spot. And someone that a lot of folks are saying he should be a head coach right now, you just mentioned his name right now, PG, Patrick Graham. This defense from last year, you would say it was a – uh, not a, a defense that would be a top 10 defense or a top five. This Raiders defense with Patrick Graham, if he's able to instill what he wants in this team, they have the potential to do that, right? Most definitely. And when it comes down to it, you can, you can be the greatest secondary in the world. It all starts up front. And, of course, that philosophy has not changed with the building of this team, where you have Max Crosby and you have Chandler Jones opposite of each other. That is going to be hell to try to stop for any offensive line. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. Trying to stop Max Crosby and Chandler Jones for four quarters is going to suck. So you have that, and then you bring in a couple of key free agents. You bring back Jonathan Hankins, and you draft two nose tackles to put in between them in this year's draft who could be good rotational pieces, or they could even try to figure out a way to – find themselves in the starting role by the end of the year, by midway through the year, you don't know just because it's so early on. So Patrick Graham has done a lot to build up that front four, and he's done a lot to bring in linebackers to put next to Devon Diablo and put next to Denzel Perryman. And so the corners, the safeties in the the corners, their job is going to be a lot easier just with the amount of pressure that those guys are going to get up front. So last week, I had a former Raiders punter, uh, Leo Aragus, on the show. He famously owns the record for most punts in a game in the NFL with 16, and the Raiders somehow won that game 7-6, to six, and it hit me. I was like, we got amazing special teams. I mean, you talk about guys like Daniel Carlson, A.J. Cole, Trent Sig. They're incredible players. Is this offense going to let the special teams take the field a lot or not? Well, to be honest with you, the, they didn't really take the, the field a lot last year. You had A.J. Cole, even though he had an amazing season, all-pro season, and he deserved it. When he did go out there, it wasn't like too often. So he really just was a, a firm believer of just going out there and doing his job with the amount of punts that he had. So with this offense even on paper, of course, we haven't seen a lick of We haven't seen a snap. We haven't seen anything. But on paper, this is a better offense. So I definitely, uh, AJ, if you were on the phone with him right now, he'd be the first person to tell you, okay, let's punch for me. That's great because that means we're scoring touchdowns. 
we're scoring field goals. And Daniel Carlson, he's going to continue to do his thing. He's now had two back-to-back seasons of kicking over 90%, I believe. So he's always going to get his opportunities. And no matter what, over anything, no matter how much they do come on the field or not, they're clutch players. They do their job when they're on the field, no matter what. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how many times you kick a punt or how many times you kick a field goal, are you making it? And are they in the right place at the right spot? And Daniel Carlson has kicked a lot of clutch, right place, right spot field goals over the past season. So I don't think they care how much they step on the field, uh, to be honest with you. I think they just care what they do when they do get on the field. And I think you just brought up a perfect point. Levi Edwards, digital reporter at Raiders.com. Clutch. That's what you got to be when you're on special teams. Clutch. Deliver when you're called upon. And hopefully it's not like in the Pro Bowl where A.J. Cole was even eating a hot dog at halftime. But (laughs) by the time that he gets on the field, just pin the opponents right where you need them, inside the 10. Uh, Levi, I got to ask you about your experience covering the NFL draft. I saw you out there that you were at the draft stage and covering everything happening with the Raiders. How was that for you? It was surreal. Um, I will be honest with you. It was very surreal just because I know a lot of people, they have dreams and aspirations when they get to sports journalism of doing all of these crazy things like, you know, covering the Super Bowl or NBA Finals or things of that nature. But for me, something that I always wanted to do growing up when I first realized I wanted to get into this business is cover the draft. And so it took a lot of work. And it took a lot of effort to really put in the amount of coverage that we did. But I'm really proud of the coverage we were able to, to bring out for the draft, especially with the amount of draft picks that we did have on the, on the back end of things on day three and day two. But just being out there and being in Las Vegas, it just felt, it felt right. It, it, it was just a surreal experience for me just being at the draft party and also just being out on that stage, uh, just being able to see the stage from afar and be in the media room there and, and hear people's names called. It was just, it was unbelievable. It was an experience that I wish I, I can't wait for next year to try to, to recreate that experience. But this being my first draft, uh, if I have any complaints, the time went by too fast. That first round when I was out there, it felt like it was just like a blur. It felt like I was out there for like 20 minutes and then it was over. I, I, I wish I would have just lived in the moment more. It was such a great experience. And the city of Las Vegas and the Raiders and everybody that the NFL all did a great job in putting it together. And I got to ask you, this draft class consists of six players, which are all now signed by the team, including two guys that the Raiders traded up for, Samir White and Neil Farrell Jr. These are guys that the team looks as some two people, two folks that they look at potential starters in the future, right? Well, you, you, that's the way you have to look at it. You can't look at a player that you're drafting as, okay, well, this guy might just be you know, good here and there. Of course, you want to hit on all of your draft picks, and that's the goal and aspirations that you have, that you can draft productive players. So I definitely believe that with time, of course, these guys, if they put in the work and they come ready to play and they adjust to the system, of course, they could potentially be starters. Uh, at some point in their career. But right now, I, I believe they're more just focused on making the team. Hey, we look at this that this offseason, and a fifth-rounder just signed his contract, Hunter Renfro. A fourth-rounder just signed his contract, as well as his extension, Max Crosby. So there's a lot of motivation there for the fellas. 
Levi, so kind of football-related, but not really football-related. I remember when the Super Bowl was announced in Las Vegas. We were having a conversation, Mike Taylor, yourself, and, my, and me, about Super Bowl halftime shows. It seems like you got each and every one of them memorized, right? Um, I, I, I have, I have a, a, a good few that I memorize. You know, I can't, I can't go like year by year exactly, but I definitely have most of them recognized or remembered. So which one has been your favorite that you've either, either been able to see on YouTube that we weren't there to watch and now anything recent? 100%. And I can name the year of this. I believe it was, Ooh, I hope I'm not wrong. It was either 2006 or 2007. I'm going to go on a limb and say it was, it was the 2006 season. It was the 2006 season but I believe it was the Super Bowl in 2007, and that was seeing the purple one, RIP the GOAT Prince, step out in the rain and perform. Uh, and that was the second Super Bowl I had ever seen. Uh, that was right when I was starting to get into football. And so uh, that was the year after the Steelers beat the Seahawks. And so that was the year that the Colts beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. And that was a huge deal uh, just for me, just in my household, because that was the first time the two African-American coaches had coached each other in the Super Bowl, and that's something that I would love to see again. But it was such a huge deal, and I had no idea who Prince was. But, of course, both of my parents being products of the 80s, you know, they, they, they grew up, that was their era, that's where they grew up. They, uh, they were huge Prince people. And so I saw that halftime show, and he went out there, in the rain, in the heels, killed it, um, and and that's what got me into Prince. And I and till this day, Prince is one of my top three favorite artists all time. Uh, you know, he he was one of a kind. And so, without a doubt, that was my favorite halftime show that I've ever watched. Even it being even me being eight years old at the time, till this day, still my favorite halftime show I've seen. Purple rain in the rain. It doesn't get better than that, right? And you're right. It was a 2006 season, February 4th, 2007. You know your, you know your stuff. We got to take you to the Purple Rain, the Prince tribute show out here in Las Vegas one of these days. So with the Vegas being the host city of the Super Bowl in the 2023 season, Levi Edwards, who would you like to see at the halftime show? Well, I loved what they did last year where now – you know, people used to say in the 80s, hip-hop was a fad. It was going to die out. So you go from hip-hop being a fad that was going to die out to now being the Super Bowl halftime show in L.A. So you had you had, you had Dre, you had Snoop, Kendrick, Eminem, all of them, Mary J. They, they came out and they performed, and they really did a good job, and they showed that hip-hop is here to stay. Um, and it's, it's not just rap. It's pop music. Rap is pop music. With all that being said, I'm not trying to trying to go on and on. I want I want Drake or I want Jay Z. That's what I want for Super Bowl halftime show in Vegas. If I can if I can get Drake or Jay Z, I feel like those are the two. You know, if you're going to continue to bring hip hop acts to be to do your halftime shows on the grand stage, I feel like those are the next two biggest hip hop stars right now that I can think of that are worthy of being able to do the Super Bowl halftime show. And I'm not sure what Jay-Z stance is with the NFL, but I'd love to, if I could cover a Super Bowl in Vegas and see Drake perform that halftime, then that is, 
that's that's goals. That's why I got in this business uh, to be able to do that, to cover Super Bowl, watch Super Bowl halftime show, and to be Drake. Um, that would truly be started from the bottom. Now we're here. Hey, that would, the cherry on top, of course, would be the Raiders playing in that Super Bowl and winning that Super Bowl. That's what we all want, right? I mean, well, you know the streak right now. Tampa won in Tampa, L.A. won in L.A. Uh, you know, let's, let's see what the Cardinals do this year. Let's see if the Cardinals can get out of the NFC, see if they can keep the streak alive. So, of course, uh, literally the, the whole L.A., Oakland, and Vegas, they're, sh- they're all shutting down if they get to a Super Bowl and they play it in Vegas. Oh, yeah. All, all three of those cities shutting down. Are for fact. The Raider Nation Capitals, for sure. And my last question, your pinned tweet on Twitter. I love it, man. Someone on Reddit actually posted, why is Mac at the Raiders head coach presser? And they put a picture of you when Josh McDaniels was introduced and you were asking a question. You, you're, you, you made it, dude. I mean, once you become a meme, you made it, right? Of course. You know, like, and that's, that's, a, that's goals, to be able to be memed. And I'm someone... Uh, uh, something that I always say, and my my philosophy on life is take what you do seriously, but never take yourself seriously. And so I, I always am going to be very serious and be intentional about what I do, and I love my job. But you know, I, I don't care. You know, poke on poke on at me, mean me. I don't care. You know, I'm not. I love it. I love making fun of myself. I love you know. As long as it's not anything like too, you know, cruel, and then I gotta, you know, come about, come about to something, you know, to say something to you, you know. As long as it's all in good fun, you know, I don't care, you know. It's, it is what it is. And Khalil Mack is a hell of a player, you know. I'm, I'm not gonna say that too many times after this because he's a division rival now. But Khalil Mack, uh, he's he's that guy. He has been that guy. So you know, you want to compare me to him to me, me, I don't care. They're like, take it as a compliment. And look, I'll say this. If you had a group of Raiders players walking out of the facility and you're in between them and there were autograph seekers outside that probably don't know all the players, I can guarantee you some of them would ask for your autograph because, dude, you're built big time, man. You you get, you hit the gym and you're strong. I wouldn't get in a fight with Levi or wouldn't recommend anybody to get in a fight with Levi. I, I appreciate that. I, I try here. You know, I put on I put on some weight during covid like the rest of the world so that's not an excuse but i'm trying to i'm trying to get back in the weight room kind of get lean and you know maybe you know if the raiders you know say if a couple of you know say if uh Jakob goes down they need a fullback you know i'm here they can just get me from the press box sign me to a to a two-day contract and uh, get me out on the field let me block for let me block for somebody there you go future raiders fullback current Raiders.com digital reporter Levi Edwards. Can't appreciate it enough, man, that you came on board here today to talk Raiders football. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, Harry, man. Levi Edwards, read everything he posts. Raiders.com, amazing articles. He had the exclusive interview with Hunter Renfro. The only quotes you can read from Renfro so far on his contract extension, it's right now on Raiders.com. Thank you to Levi for talking about it here on the JT The Brick Show today. Let's go to a short break, Raider Nation, and we'll come back to talk a little bit about the hoops. NBA Finals, game number five tonight. Who's going to take the lead, Warriors or Celtics? We'll figure out and we'll hear some quotes from over there in the Bay.
Curry. The play call from Steve Kerr. He's getting double teamed. Yep, screened by Peyton the second. Curry launches, got fouled. He hits it anyway and nails the three to tie the game. Double teamed, triple teamed, being fouled. It didn't matter on Friday night what happened with Steph Curry because he was hitting him. He was getting shot after shot after shot. My God, what an amazing game by Steph Curry. I mean, it doesn't get any better than what he did against the Celtics in game number four to give the Golden State Warriors, again, the home court advantage. Steph Curry, 41 minutes on the court, 14 for 26 from the field, 7 for 14 from three-point land, 8 for 9 from the free-throw lane, and then you add 10 rebounds to his name, That's an amazing game and four assists. I mean, 43 points, 10 boards, four assists. That guy was a machine. Steph Curry was unstoppable in Boston, and he was able to get the Celtics stopped in the fourth quarter as well. I mean, Steph Curry, he hit that dagger in the fourth quarter, and the garden, it got quiet. Ball to Draymond. Draymond looks for a wing. Nobody moving. Curry back cuts on White. Takes the jumper. Got it! Curry for three. Warriors have doubled their advantage. A 10-0 run of the Celtics one time. Yeah, and the Celtics went dry in that fourth quarter, and you can't do that when you're playing the Golden State Warriors, especially when Curry is that hot. Draymond Green, he knows that Curry was key. What do you think of uh, Steph tonight? Incredible. Um, put us on his back. Willed us to a win. Much needed win. Um, game we had to have. Came out and showed why he's one of the best players to ever play this game. Why, you know, this, this organization has been able to ride um, him to so much success. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. Big-time players get big-time plays done in the big-time games, and that was Steph Curry. He got the job done. Now, game number five tonight, Curry. I want to take that as a good sign of how I feel physically, like with my foot and just the load and intensity of the game that I wanted to be out there to start the fourth just because I felt good, had a rhythm, didn't feel tired at all. So I want to maintain that over the course of the rest of the series. But we needed something to settle into the game to start, you know, the game better and find some momentum and just change the tone of, you know, how physical they were in game three and how we needed to respond game four. It wasn't a perfect first quarter, but we gave ourselves enough life. And that fire was uh, me just trying to show that we're here tonight and we understand what the task at hand is. And thankfully, we uh, found a way to get it done. Oh, yeah. And he left or he finished game three hurt. So Curry, he wasn't at 100 percent and he still put on over 40 points. Someone that didn't get over 40, but for the third game in a row, he had 20 plus was Tatum. Let's see what happens with him tonight in game number five. If he could put those Celtics on his shoulders and carry him to the victory or not. Game number five tonight at six o'clock. Raider Nation, that's the hour the end of our number one here on the JT The Brick Show. Coming up next, after the break, we got Jesus Lopez from the Portes Vegas 1460 AM to talk about the soccer games at Allegiant Stadium.